Hi there, and welcome to the Vertical Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information about Vertical, please check out our website at verticalministries.net. Can you all hear me? There we go. Welcome to Vertical. If you haven't heard that already, then you must have come through the roof today, okay? Seriously, we are known for being uh, overly welcoming, and so we're sorry, okay? And so I'm just really glad you're here. My name is Dale Wallace, and I'm the Executive Director of Vertical Ministries, and uh, I I was once a Baylor Bear. That's the reality. I was once in your shoes. I was once a freshman and very overwhelmed by the sight of Vertical on on the Monday night in Waco Hall. It was very overwhelming to me. So are, are there any freshmen here tonight? Okay. Wow. Okay. The whole freshman class is here. That's good to know. Um, This is me, my freshman year. Uh, That's me with my roommate. You're probably quickly wondering what happened to my hair. I'm wondering the same thing. Okay. And so uh, that was my freshman year. What about, do we have any sophomores here tonight? Where are we? This doesn't add up. That seems like there's too many people. This is me, my sophomore year. Um, uh, these are my roommates. Uh, this is, let me just give you an idea. This is when Instagram filters were key, okay? I don't know if you can tell. And also, uh, I don't know what happened to them, but borders used to be in too. Uh, obviously, the times have changed, okay? So what about juniors? Do we have any juniors here tonight? Y'all are just all cheering for every grade. That's great. I love that. I'm fine with that. It makes me less awkward. Okay, so uh, juniors, you're finally upperclassmen. Congratulations. Um, I don't know if anyone's told you that yet, but this is me, my junior year, and that's my sweet mom. Okay, so that's all you need to know. Yeah, exactly. Sweet Roberta, if you're wondering. Okay, Um, seniors, super seniors, truant students, law students, are any of you here? I love it. I love it. Let me just give you some advice, okay? This is how you want to finish your senior year, like this, okay? That's how you finish your senior year at Baylor University. You wear a hat to cover how much you have lost your hair, and you take a picture that makes it look like you actually spoke at graduation (laughs) because your brother actually did speak at graduation, And you have to make all of your family feel bad for not coming to your graduation, okay? So that's, take notes, that's what you do um, when you finish, that's not bad, um, but some of you are actually wondering if I actually spoke there, and I'm not going to tell you. Anyways, um, we're going to start tonight with those uh, those jokes where it's like, hey, there's just kind of two kinds of people in this world, okay? Have you ever heard of those jokes? No, okay, that's always a good sign for jokes. If you have to explain them, they're not good, okay? But for, for, for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you, there's two kinds of people in this world, like Coke people, Pepsi people, you know, whatever that is. And I love these, these two kinds of people, this imagery, because for a moment, it just simplifies the world, okay? So we're just going to have a little interaction, as if we need more interaction now. But let's just turn our attention to the screens. We have iPhone people in this iPhone people in this world, and we have Android people in this world. Am I right? Do we have any Android people here? Do y'all exist still? Are you serious? Wow, all four of you, we will be praying. Okay, y'all are behind the times. Get with it, all right? Um, and then there's, there's also two types of people. There's those that believe in Chick-fil-A being God's creation. Praise God, right? Amen. Amen. There we go. And then, and then there's the dark side. Am I right? The canes. You're like, I just kind of have to have it every once in a while. Just tension. And now they're next to each other. You're like, which do I choose? I don't know. Pray about it. Figure it out. 
All right, let's keep going. This is a personal favorite. I would go to class in PJs and sweatpants and I would always make fun of the people that were looking for a wife at class. They're like trying to wear a suit to class. I'm like, what is this? Your professor can't hire you, okay? It doesn't make sense to me. They can write a wreck for you, I guess, but maybe that's why I never got a wreck. Anyways, and then we have these people, these uh, one alarm people. Yes, yes. All right, settle down. (laughs) This one just got everyone going. There we go. I am for sure, I need like six alarms to make sure I hear one, okay? You all are lost, okay? There's one more. Let's turn our attention to the screen. This is my favorite kind of people. Yes, yes. Hey, can we bring the house lights up a little bit? House lights up just slightly so that once we actually read our Bibles, we can read them. And get the house lights up so we can read our Bibles soon. <laughs> but first I want to know who has the most mail. Like seriously, who's in here? Who has the most? Okay, what are we at? Okay, let's just go ahead and raise your hand if you have more than 5,000 emails unread. What? <laughs> okay, wait, wait, let's go 10,000. Keep your hand up if you have more than 10,000. Okay, 20,000. What do, you ha- what do you have back there? People think that you have the most. Hunter, what? 23,000. Who can beat it? Raise your hand. Oh, way too many people. 41,000. Can anyone beat it? 59,000. Anyone? Chambers, give me a shirt. This girl's awesome. You get it. I hope I didn't miss somebody. This girl, hey, you can go ahead and leave. You need to go check your mail, okay? (laughs) Seriously, you can leave. Don't worry about it. All right, all right, all right, all right. I've lost everyone, but at least you might like me now. Who knows? Okay. Hey, I love these things. Like I said, because it just simplifies life. Like most of us really are one of those kinds of people. And so Jesus, swerve, uh, (laughs) used the same kind of tactic (laughs) Jesus used the same tactic about 2,000 years ago when he invited people to follow him. And I'm I'm not kidding you. It it was like, hey, follow me. And people either did or they didn't. It was that simple. And so tonight we're going to look at uh, what Jesus says in Luke 9. And we're going to see that Jesus kind of says, hey, you can either be distracted and not follow me. Or you can live in devotion and you can follow me. And so we're going to find out tonight. We're going to answer the question, hey, are we following Jesus or are we not? And hopefully it's really clear tonight whether or not we're distracted or we're devoted and we're actually following Jesus. And so I love these things because everyone at Baylor is mailed these I know where I'm going shirts. Am I right? We all know what those things are. And in reality, like everyone knows where they're going at Baylor until they get here. And then they're like, what do I do tomorrow? And welcome week doesn't help. It's like aimless living, right? Like you just don't know what you're going to do every day. Especially for the upperclassmen, they have no idea. They're like, what are we going to do today? I don't know. Chick-fil-A, Canes? I don't know. You know, it's like, that's what they're trying to decide. But the reality is college can so often facilitate this aimless living, this purposeless living. And we can just be so easily distracted. And it seems like by the end of college, for the seniors, they might have been everywhere and they've actually gotten nowhere. And so tonight, our hope, my hope, is that it will be really clear that we have purpose, we have direction, 
and we know what it looks like to follow Jesus, okay? And it's not just gonna be this big guilt trip, like, oh my gosh, I'm so distracted and I'm, there's no hope, okay? There's hope. And so I'm excited to turn in God's word. We're gonna be in Luke 9, 61 and 62. If you brought your Bibles, you can start turning there. We're starting a series called Life Apps. Um, I made it up, I don't know why. Tonight's called Maps and we're gonna learn about direction. We're gonna figure out where we're going in life. And so uh, as you're turning to Luke 9, 61 and 62, I'd love to set it up a little bit. Jesus has just started um, his journey to Jerusalem. If you look in your Bibles, chapter 10, verse 51, it says this, when the days drew near for him to be taken uh, taken up, excuse me, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So Luke is telling us like, hey, this is when Jesus has finally decided to start heading to Jerusalem. He is heading to the cross. What's the first thing that happens? He is rejected in verses 52 through 56. He's rejected by the Samaritan village. Not a good start, but that's okay. And so Luke goes on to tell us this conversation, these familiar conversations of what it looks like and what the cost is to follow Jesus. And so um, let's look, verse 57, 58. Um, there's this person that wants to follow Jesus. He's like, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. And Jesus is like, swerve, foxes have holes and birds have, birds of the airs have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And what he's trying to point out to this wannabe disciple, the reason why I call him a wannabe is because he wants to be a disciple, but we're not actually sure whether or not he becomes one. And Jesus is saying, hey, no, 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 you got to forfeit your comfort, dude. Okay, and then, and then there's the second one. And Jesus invites the second person to follow me. And he says, but Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus has this famous saying, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then we have this third person who Luke is the only one that actually includes this in his gospel. Matthew doesn't include, Matthew includes the other two, but Luke is the only one that mentions this one. And this is where we're gonna camp the majority of the night. Okay, so let's read it. Luke 9, 61 through 62. I read from the ESV, the extra spiritual version, if you're curious. And so if you turn your attention to the screen, this is what it says. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so what we see here is this person making a a remark about Jesus. He's immediately saying, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm even going to call you Lord in this statement. Look right there, verse 61. I will follow you, Lord. He seems to understand that Jesus is something special. He's something, he's a savior. He's, he's He's actually calling Jesus what he is. But what he follows it up with, he's like, hey, but can I first go say goodbye to my family? Sounds like a pretty reasonable thing to ask for, correct? Like, or am I the only one that thinks that's reasonable? Okay, I'm the only one that loves my family here. Okay, like you can say goodbye to your family and then go follow Jesus, right? And so what Jesus is saying is, it's not that Jesus hates goodbyes. It's not that Jesus hates families. Jesus is just trying to point out that this man is really saying, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you later. I'll follow you after I get this stuff together. I'll follow you after this. Let me just tell you, Jesus, I'll follow you but for now it can wait. And it's really easy for us to sit back and be like, you know what, this guy's just dumb. Like, how could he say that to Jesus? Like saying goodbye is so meaningless, right? It's just nothing. Why would he say that if he knows that Jesus is his Lord, right? I will follow you, Lord. He's already, he's already called Jesus what he is, what he deserves to be called. And so we could be wrestling like, why would he say that? What a fool. 
the reality is, I think tonight, what we're going to find out is that we do the same thing very often. So often, following Jesus to us means following Jesus on our own terms. And this is what it looks like. I call them distractions. When we follow Jesus on our own terms, those are distractions. And distractions always start out seeming reasonable. Even those uh, distractions are anything that keeps us from following after Jesus. We put so many things before following Jesus. Am I right? Okay, maybe we won't admit that tonight. But too often, we just want to follow Jesus on our own terms. Here's what it might look like. I'm going to read a few things for you. And let me just see if any of them hit home. Because some of these were me when I was in your shoes. I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me do my thing in college. What is my thing? I don't even know, but people actually say that. I've heard them say that. Or, hey, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me get into medical school. Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me get that boy or girl. Lord, I'll follow you, but first <laughs> first let me make sure people like me, okay? Like, let me just like have a few friends and I don't want them to think I'm like a crazy Christian too soon. Lord, I'll follow you. But first, let me do whatever it takes to get into that organization. Jesus, I'll follow you. But first, let me just get the approval of man through social media and do whatever it takes to position myself so that people will know who I am. Jesus, I'll follow you. But I'm just gonna keep doing this because I'm not as bad as so-and-so, right? Those seem kind of reasonable at first. But what's crazy about this is this, this tends to uh, become, these distractions tend to become more than just like medical school and other things. And it actually, I've even seen this become sin. Things that we, uh, we choose to like make agreements with, with Jesus. Am I right? It looks like this. I will follow you, Jesus, but let me just get drunk during welcome week, dia, and on Fridays and Saturdays. I won't drink on Sundays. That's what it looks like. You're laughing. That's what people in my organization said when I was in college. I'll follow you, Lord, but. I'll follow you, Lord, but. Let me stay in this relationship that we fool around with sexually, Lord. It's, it's fine. One day we'll get married and it'll all be fine. I'll follow you, Lord, but. I can't give up my iPhone. Are you crazy? Even though it's my primary access to pornography week in and week out. I can't give that up. I can't be one of those people. I'll follow you, Lord, We tend to follow Jesus on our own terms. And what Jesus is saying tonight is that you can't. That's not actually following Jesus. And so when we do that, when we, when we include sin in that, we tend to end up actually flirting with the very things that we're called to flee from in this life. Those distractions are the very things that we're called to flee from. And so my question tonight is, are we distracted or are we actually following Jesus? Or most of us just following Jesus on our own terms. And here's why this is important. Jesus responds to this want to be disciple with this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And Jesus is just being a good friend and saying, bro, listen, you are not actually following Jesus. You're actually just doing what you want to do. You're putting other things first. And it sounds reasonable at first, but it really isn't. It isn't following Jesus. And what you notice here is that Jesus doesn't accept any of the concessions, any of the conditions, any of the agreements that these people make to following him. He's just asking to follow him. And so what I want to harp on tonight, if you just like missed everything I just said just then, what you need to know is that Jesus isn't meant to just be a part of our lives. He's meant to be everything. 
Jesus isn't meant to just be part of our lives. He's meant to be everything. Jesus is a part of our life, but he isn't our life for too many of us. He isn't everything. He's just a part. It's, I will follow you, Lord, but I'm going to do all these other things first. Let me just tell you, Jesus isn't this thing on your resume. It's not, I'm from Houston, Texas. I enjoy water sports. I am a business major. I am all these things. And then also, I was a Boy Scout and I followed Jesus. It's not just a part of your life. It is our entire lives. It's not just about making Jesus a priority. It's about making him our life. It's about making him everything. That's what Jesus is trying to do. And I can honestly feel the awkward tension in the room right now. Because so many of us tend to add these things. It's not just about making Jesus a priority. It's making him everything. That's what it really looks like to follow Jesus. Let's keep going. What we need to know is that these distractions, these things that keep us from following Jesus, that so many of us too easily say, I'll follow you, Lord, but... First, let me go do this. All those things, they actually lead to destruction. Distractions lead to destruction. Okay, this is what Proverbs 14, 12 says. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. And the enemy wants you to think that there's no consequences to the I will follow you, but first let me go do this. And the reality is there is consequence. Sin leads to death. Distractions lead to death. And Jesus points out these distractions, whether they be Uh, just things we put before Jesus, whether they be false securities, whether they be idols, Jesus is just saying, hey, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And here's what he's teaching, okay? We're gonna go Farmer Dale for a second. Y'all just tune in real quick. We're gonna do a little bit of farming, okay? This is what Jesus is saying with this illustration, okay? Or at least this is what a commentary told me. So um, (laughs) Jesus is saying, hey, No one who puts his hand to the plow. We'll just pretend like a plow goes like this, okay? Because I feel like it should do that. I don't know why. But no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And the reason why Jesus is saying this, rewind. The reason why Jesus is saying this is because as you put your hand to the plow, what you're supposed to look at is the stake in front of you. You're supposed to have a marker in front of you that you look towards in order to plow straight. And what Jesus is pointing out with this illustration is that no one can put his hand to the, no one who looks at, excuse me, let me just restart that. We're going to go back here. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) cut that out of the podcast. Anyways, (laughs) seriously. Okay, no one who puts his hand to the plow, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Because what happens when you look back is you veer off. There's wounds, there's bows in the dirt. And this illustration would have been so powerful back in the day. And it should be even for us. And what Jesus is showing us is that the problem isn't that the plow is going off track. That's kind of what we think the problem is. But really what the problem is, is that we're looking back. We're not looking to Jesus. We're not looking to the marker. We're not looking ahead. And so tonight, the the, the quick fix might be, hey, I say, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me put all these things in front of Jesus. So we're just gonna cut that stuff out of our lives and we're gonna plow harder and we're gonna work at our plow and we're gonna look down and we're gonna fix ourselves. That's not the response tonight. What Jesus is showing us is that the response isn't to go work on ourselves. That isn't the gospel. The gospel is we need to look to Jesus, our savior, 
who loved us enough to die on a cross for us, who loved us enough to say, hey, you don't have to look back. You just have to look at me. And that, as we look to Jesus, works itself out in the plow. Don't just try to fix the plow tonight. Let's just see what it looks like to follow Jesus. What we see here is that the problem is not our eyes, or excuse me, the problem is our eyes. (laughs) The problem is not just that the plow is going off track. The problem is that our eyes and our hearts are divided. For so many of us, our eyes and our hearts and our beings are divided. And Jesus is just saying, hey, your devotion, it can't be double-minded. It can't be double-minded. And the fix is not for us to just work the plow, try to make sure it straightens itself out. It's for us to set our eyes on Jesus and let the work he does in us change the direction of the plow. He's the only one that can heal the wound of the off-track plow. And so tonight we see that devotion is following Jesus. Devotion is what we look to for life. And so what I'm saying tonight and what Jesus is saying tonight is we need to set our eyes on him. If life is us plowing, sounds kind of weird, but if life's us plowing, then we need to set our eyes on Jesus. And that is what devotion is, living for Jesus day in and day out. And it's not just this cheesy devotional that word kind of, that word has been so watered down and it's, it's disgusting now. It's like stupid or silly, whatever. But it's not just a Jesus calling tomorrow morning, 15 minutes, and that's devotion. We're like, hey, 15 minutes uh, today to keep the devil away. Like, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I want you to leave here and go do. What I'm asking you to do is look to Jesus. Just have a complete reevaluation and realigning of where we look to each and every day. And that might look like opening God's word. That might look like prayer. That might look like becoming a part of the body of Christ. I don't know what it looks like in your life but I invite you to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus tonight. Let's turn to Hebrews 12, one and two for those that have their Bibles tonight. That's enough of that illustration of looking to, we're gonna continue to use it. Anyways, um, this is what Hebrews 12, one and two says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us How? How do we run the race? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is literally inviting us to follow him. He's inviting us into his life. He's inviting us to see his love. Why? Because if we follow Jesus, we're going to end up at the cross. And we're going to see where love was poured out, where blood was shed for our sake and for our sin. And so that's, it seems so unreasonable that Jesus wouldn't let this guy, this wannabe disciple go say goodbye. But Jesus lovingly knows that following him is everything. It's the most loving thing for him to do to say, no, 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 you don't need to go say goodbye. I'm worth it. It's worth it to follow me. And Jesus is showing us his love at the cross. And he's also showing us what it looks like to die to ourselves each and every day. 
And so it's this reversal of what we've been told in our lives. It's a reversal of what our flesh thinks. We think that we are missing out when we follow Jesus, right? So many of us at Baylor University, MCC, TSDC, we think, but if I follow Jesus, I can't do what all those other people are doing. And I'm missing out on life. And what Jesus is showing us here is that it's worth it to follow him. It's not even worth it to wait and think. He's just saying, follow me. He says, it's not even worth it to go say goodbye. There's nothing else that you should put first before following him. And this is what it looks like. Because too often we, we think that following Jesus takes away from life. Here's some truth I want to speak over you tonight. He came so that we could have life and life to the full. In his presence is fullness of joy. And no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. The entire Bible speaks towards Jesus' love for us and it being worth it to follow him. And so tonight, I just want you to know that true freedom only comes from following Christ. True freedom only comes from following Christ. This is the freedom that we want. This is the freedom from the shame and the guilt that we live with. True freedom can, can only come from following Christ. Why? Because living with Jesus and looking to Jesus is the only way we can throw off the sin that so easily entangles. How do we do it? By looking to Jesus. How do we run the race with endurance? By looking to Jesus. And so that's the response tonight. And in the end, I just want you to know, because of this, God's not trying to rip us off when he says, follow me. God's not trying to rip us off. He's trying to set us free. Because following him leads us to the cross. And the cross is where grace and love abounds. And that's where we can live with him. He has died on our behalf. And as we choose to live for him and we look to him each and every day, he makes us more and more in his likeness. And that is what brings true freedom. It's not us trying to fix ourselves and throw off the sin ourselves. It doesn't work that way. The only way we can be truly free is by following Jesus. C.S. Lewis says it like this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by an offer at the holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's like we're sitting in a sandbox on the beach and we're just living within these confinements that we've built for ourselves. And Jesus is saying, no, follow me. Don't put all that stuff before me. For me, it's this. I tend to say, I'll follow you, Lord, but just don't make me a crazy Christian. I need the approval of man. I need people to like me. That's part of my job, right? I need people to like me. No, just follow him. Who cares who doesn't like you? Live winsomely, love others. And if people don't like you, get over it. That's what I have to preach to myself each and every day. To get on my knees and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I I care more about what these people think, which is silly. I don't even know y'all, most of you. (laughs) Too often, I think God's trying to rip me off, but he's not. He's just saying, hey, come follow me. I'm gonna show you my love. I'm gonna show you my cross. I'm gonna show you where true life is found. And so tonight begs the question, we started with those 
dumb illustrations. Are we following him or are we not? The way I say it is we're either distracted or devoted. We're distracted. We're just living for something other than Jesus. Or we're devoted. We've set our eyes on Jesus and we're following him. And so tonight I'd say for those that are devoted, let's say you're a believer, you're devoted, you're looking towards Jesus each and every day. I'd say, hey, don't stop. Don't look back. Don't worry about what you think you're missing out on. Continue to draw near to the Lord and he will change your desires to what he loves, to what he wants, and he will reveal himself to you. And for those that are distracted tonight, those that are living for something other than Jesus, those that say, I'll follow the Lord later. Let me just have my fun in college. Let me just tell you, it's time. The urgency of this passage scares me, truly. It doesn't even tell us what happened to those three people. And it just kind of says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What happened? We don't know what happens. I think Luke did that so that we would be able to read it, look back and say, man, this sounds pretty urgent and it's worth it. Although it's urgent, it's worth it to follow Jesus. So maybe tonight is the night that you choose to follow Jesus and not just pretend to, not just follow him on your terms. It's to live fully surrendered for him. I'm gonna close with this story. Let's call my friend David so I don't drop his name at some point during this. I had a friend named David who was a religion major at Baylor University. And David kind of lived his life just always saying, hey, I'll follow you later, Lord. Let me just first have my fun. One year ended up being a little bit about girls. One year ended up being a little bit about getting into an organization and doing whatever it takes to get into it. Long story short, he kind of just kept saying, you know, I'll follow you, Lord. Um, But later... And even later, like, in a kind of a weird way, he's like, I'll go to ministry later. I'm a religion major. Like, Lord, just prepare me in school, but, like, let me just have my fun now. And what happened to my friend David is this. He ended up just coming to this place where he was so distracted by all these different things, being pulled and tossed by all these different things, and he was just plagued with anxiety. He was plagued with depression. He was kind of in a place of hopelessness. And one night he went out and bought a gun. And uh, we found out about it. And by God's grace, we interceded. We sent him to be arrested. Sent him straight to the county psych ward. Ended up in a hospital. Let me just tell you, this David guy isn't some weirdo. This David guy sat with me at vertical but he just kept saying, I'll follow you later, Lord. I'll follow you later, Lord. I'll follow you later, Lord. It's on my terms. It's not on yours, Jesus. <laughs> and so I texted him. I said, hey, David. That's not his name, but you know what I mean. I said, hey, man, what would you say? Well, one, can I share your story? Because what ended up happening was God called him back. He preserved his life. Thank goodness for the grace of preserving his life. But God ended up showing him, hey, just follow me. Don't worry about that past. Don't worry about the anxiety, the depression, the mistakes. Just know that I love you. Just come follow me. He's now walking with Jesus. 
The reason why I tell you that tonight is because I, I want to read what he said because I think it might be meaningful to you tonight. He said this. I'm going to say it with emphasis. Don't wait until you hit rock bottom. Don't wait until you break up with the girl. Until you end up in a hospital. Or something crazy happens. Be proactive and reactive. You don't need a crazy story to be a child of God. Quite frankly, the longer you wait and the longer you let sin patterns continue, the harder they will be to break. And then he sent me this scripture. He says, this says it all. I'm gonna read it to you. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. God's not trying to rip you off. He's trying to set you free. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us enough to allow us to not even have to look back. Jesus, thank you for dying for us on a cross. so that we can be free from sin, but not just that, Lord, so that we could one day stand before the Father and we could say, I have done nothing right, but I know Jesus, Jesus. I, I believe in you. I've repented. I believed in you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your grace. And Lord, thank you for your word that just shows us the urgency. We thank you for your word that shows us the clarity, the difference between those that are following you and those that are not. And so Jesus, tonight I pray that we would be a people that are known for following you and not just a distracted people that are living for other things, but a devoted people that set their eyes on you day in and day out. Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for the grace. And we just pray all this in your son Jesus' name.